There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support, service or person that you feel comfortable with. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs and not everyone will agree with them. I understand that and I hope you do too. Thank you. And it was ironic because when I was in Bali the second time, I actually had a broken leg and I'd gotten a fight the night before I left um, and flew out of the country. So I got a black eye, broken legs, and I'm running around with someone else's name. Uh, for those who missed part one of Dave's uh, podcast uh, last week, I'll just bring you up to speed. Uh, Dave Gleason was a man's man. In 1987 or 88, I think, when I first met him, both of us working at the Carlton Police Station. Dave was a very, oh, extremely competent, confident and popular policeman who was so very funny and entertaining. And it came as no surprise to me that Dave went on to become a decorated and dedicated high-ranking detective within Victoria Police. And then he joined the Australian Federal Police to work overseas. This all formed part of 37 years in a variety of policing jurisdictions and capacity developed missions in Timor-Leste, Afghanistan and Papua New Guinea, PNG. PNG exposed Dave to several traumatic incidents, as did his time on, in Timor-Leste and Afghanistan. And that extremely competent, confident, funny policeman, he became a shell of the man that I worked with at Carlton. He was diagnosed with PTSD in 2014 when his bucket filled and where he found it hard to think of a reason to continue. But a stay in hospital and the love of his wife and family made him realise that he could live again, but it, it hasn't been an easy path for him. Like so many of us, Dave has visions, smells, sounds which 
trigger him daily, terrible nightmares. But at least he's here with us to experience those nightmares, the visions, smells and sounds, however unpleasant and triggering they are. Had he not uh, sought professional help, he wouldn't have been there to share in the joy of watching his sons mature, playing footy, settling down and becoming fathers themselves. And Dave's now a grandfather. And of course, he's had his wife beside him every step of the way. Dave's written a book about his experiences and mental health decline called The Bucket's Full. So many police and emergency services personnel can relate to those words. I received the book, Dave's book, yesterday, and it's an incredibly powerful read. And Dave doesn't hold back with incidents which obviously contributed to his mental health decline. One particular incident I read about where Dave nearly lost his life, it had me shaking my head in disbelief at the inadequate, well, actually unbelievably inept support that Dave didn't receive. Maybe, just maybe, if Dave had received the appropriate care at that incident, immediately after that incident, things may have been a little bit or maybe a lot different. But we'll never know. It's hard not to wonder if sending AFP members overseas to help police forces in other countries combat crime is worth the damage it does to members of our peacekeeping and capacity development programs, as too many, in my view, come back so damaged and damaged beyond repair. This week, Dave shares with us, amongst other things, an amazing investigation he conducted with his great mate, Digger Dorman, where they discovered a human trafficking syndicate and how they were able to identify 27 Chinese women who'd been basically tricked into coming to Timor on false pretenses, ending up working in brothels and not in hospitality or waitressing as they'd been promised. The psychological damage of all those years of policing and exposure to trauma and grief is palpable in Dave's story, in both this podcast and his book. Dave, you're a very special man. And to dig up, rest in peace, my friend. So here's part two of Dave Gleeson. And Dave, you said then about the jobs that he was doing. Tell us about the jobs that you did in PNG. Like you said, there was, if, if you can, and again, I'm, you know, if you don't want to go there, please no, don't. No. But we don't under people that have never been to PNG. They just don't. Me included. I just don't get it. Are I we talking about PNG understand. or the Timor jobs in the end? I'm sorry, Timor. Yeah. Sorry, I keep going. I don't know why I keep going back to PNG. Yeah, Timor. Tell us more about that. Yeah, well, when, in, in Timor, the, the job that we that was very significant and was a really big job for the uh, Timorese to. Um, manage and understand, and it was run by myself and Digger, and we'd um, identified uh, there was these uh, Chinese workers that were being brought over into Timor on the promise of um, like waitressing and jobs in hospitality. But in fact, when they were brought over, these particular people were taking their passports from them and putting them into brothels. So we worked up our job. We had to do our own surveillance, do our own um, covert work, shall we say. And you know, in the end, we got some warrants together and, and we retrieved, I think it was 37 women from the 
the um, yeah, and thirty seven. Yeah, thirty seven Chinese women that were being used or had been tricked into coming into Timor to work in the hospitality. But the sad thing, and I'll, I'll say that I, the sad thing about that is once we, because we handed them over once we recovered them to a um, international organisation who repatriated over half of them, but there was, in the end, was, I think there was about 15 or 16 that wanted to stay because they were earning money. So, you know, it's, so that's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gee, but, yeah, but what a great job to... Yeah, and, well, like, there's not many police, I don't think. Like, I've charged now, but at this point I was pretty proud of myself because I, I was the informant and I got to give evidence and lay the charges in... Uh, Timor, so I'd given I'd char- I've charged people in Victorian le- uh, jurisdiction, the federal jurisdiction, uh, New- Northern Territory, and now in um, Timor. So yeah, I was pretty pretty chuffed about that. Mm, so you should be. Mm. And so the the main problem in Timor was you said that they are all uh, the eighty percent of the people there were young. What sort of, apart from your um, the young ladies that were being brought over on false pretenses, what were the other sort of crimes, the most oh, popular crimes, the wrong word, but, yeah, what were the main crimes you're investigating? They were all crimes against the person, like a lot of, um, okay. yeah, a lot of serious assaults, you know, like and they don't muck around when they get angry, uh, you know, with the large rat, uh, machete knives and, yeah. So that was like the main yeah offences against a person were probably one of the biggest. And, okay. Yeah, and because of the, the the like I haven't been there for fifteen years now, so I'm hoping mm. that they're they they are actually a success story in the way the training of the police and West the AFP is still over there training. So hopefully they've improved from the um, days when we were there. And and Dave, so you went over to Timor because am I right in saying that the the Timorese police just couldn't manage uh, the amount of crime, or they weren't? Why were um, Australian federal police going to Timor? Well, we were part of the United Nations uh, response to uh, everything okay. that had gone on over there, and like it's, it was a young country because they'd only just been. Uh, annexed, or I suppose annexed is a word from Indonesia, and I think yep, yeah, yep. there was the violence, there's the political nature of the the country, and I guess it's it's probably important for Australia to be there because they're so close to us, and um, there's uh, government um, requirements, I suppose, to for them all to be um, stable, and yeah, if it makes uh, Australia a safer country. If they're they're stable mm. and managing themselves, do they? Pardon my ignorance, but do they say in Timor, PNG, do they have other police forces from other parts of the world um, come over to assist in the training or in helping, or is it just really Australia? No, um, Timor at the time was it was at UN, so there was many, many anyone that was involved with the United Nations had some police over there. So there was oh okay yeah, that's yep. it PNG is just Australia okay all right uh, tell us a bit about PNG yeah well 
PNG was man, when I you know first arrived, I thought you know how good is all this because you know you could buy decent food and we. But the difference being in PNG is we were there for uh, as advisors, so we didn't have any policing powers as such, and you know, our role. Initially, I'd say it probably wasn't really defined, but because we used to spend a lot of time just travelling around to the various stations and um, yeah, and seeing how uh, I'm just trying to be politically correct, but the the police force over there was under resourced, and with the amount of crime and um, instability, it's just the powder keg for violence. Okay. What was the main crime that you um, witnessed or had in any – what's the main crime in PNG from your point of view? Uh, again, violence uh, against a person that, that's extremely, extremely violent and most of the um, serious crimes that I was exposed to over there involved – uh, knives and more often than not, it was they were domestic related. I was just going to ask, what, why are PNG people so angry? What, why is that any different to anywhere else? I just don't understand that. Again, I'm probably showing my ignorance. Yeah, even though there's lots of, this is only my experience from, you know. Yep. That, that there's like it's a beautiful country, as in nice, nice and green. It's got great history, but the um, I think it's fair to say that the country's been mismanaged since the Australia released um, governance in the okay. mid seventies, and it's just been a downward decline in the um, social um, behaviours. Mm, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, so from PNG, just as if PNG and uh, Timor aren't stressful enough, um, you then go to Afghanistan. No, no, Afghanistan was between Timor and PNG. PNG was the end. I didn't complete my mission okay. in PNG because I the, the issues I had, but I did 12 months in Afghanistan and loved it. It was um, it was tough. Really? Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. And you know, like when I say I loved it, I didn't feel all that safe all the time when I was over there. But when I come back and I look back on it, the friendships I made, the um, things I got to ex- uh, experience. Um, the sad thing is that I think our time there was uh, a complete waste of time. And that's so sad given really? well now with yeah. the Taliban taking back over and everything yeah, that yeah. we were working for with uh, all our um, partner agencies and it's it's all all wasted, it's all gone now. That must be yeah, hard to take. The fact that you've gone over there or you know, everyone's trying so hard um, to make it a safer place and it just hasn't worked, has it? No, and like for me, like I was there 12 months and our impact um, probably wasn't great, but when I know that the effort the Australian Defence Force and 
the amount of lives we lost over there and the Americans lost and the Afghan National Police lost. It's just so um, it's, yeah, it's Sen- sad. Senseless? Yeah, and, well, I, I feel now, you know, like why? But, and I don't know. I guess there's greater political reasonings, but, you know. Yeah, it's above, it's above us. That's I right, think, yeah. Dave. But, you know, it's really disappointing to see that everything that we went there and we lost Australian lives and that's probably one of the, the saddest things about all that is, you know, and I see what great work the Air Defence Force does in these countries. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, can we talk a, uh, a little bit about your, your mental health? Mm-hmm. So do you feel that you were on top of your game mentally when you went overseas, like um, – or were there cracks showing beforehand? Well, um, uh, yeah, as I spoke of before, I think my time at the end of Vic Pole, that, that when I look back now, there was certainly I was developing issues like with um, anger and ability to concentrate. And then when I left Vic Pole and did all my initial training and went to uh, the NT, I felt that like in some ways I'd been refreshed and recharged. And I actually... Yeah, I didn't feel too bad, you know, and but as circumstances would have it, and uh, later on, well, the, they get the better of me. Mm. I suppose to the point where you your mental health declined to the point where you were admitted to hospital. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah, well, the, the first time, well, I actually again after. Um, a significant incident in um, PNG where I spoke about where I was actually shot at and um, got, basically got in a fight with a, an armed robber who'd um, stabbed a few people. And, and yeah, things declined from there. I actually did a – I just had to get out of um, PNG, so I just flew out one day not telling anyone. And then um, it, it took a while to understand what was happening and – get to, into treatment because initially I was reluctant because I didn't think that, um, you know, I was that sort of person that uh, would let mental health get the better of him. And I can relate to that, yeah. yeah. And I took a little bit of while to accept and I eventually um, was put into a program. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And from, run by Trauma Vic out at the Repatriation Hospital in... Um, Heidelberg, and I was there for three months, uh, doing two days a week, and that's yeah. where I um, learned to identify what um, what had actually taken place, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I was taking medication there and got on top of things, got back to work after you know significant amount of time and was working semi-normally and there was probably – but I still hadn't reached that point where that um, I'd got on top of things. I then um, basically relapsed about four or five well, – I think it was about four years later and it was after a series of deaths, the deaths of Digger and, and death of another good friend in uh, Mel Scott. Uh, mm. And at that point I thought, no, nah, um, I'm not sick, so I stopped taking medication. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm over in Bali with an assumed name. And I'm brought back and from Bali and uh, hospitalised at the uh, Melbourne Clinic where I remained as a involuntary patient for 24 days. When you say an assumed name, Dave, does that mean that you uh, you sort of snuck out of Australia? You just wanted to escape and get somewhere where nobody knew you. Is that one hundred percent, Narelle? And I yeah. was um, oh, yeah. using a. Oh, it's just it's sort of all, it sounds bizarre even to me. You know, and I was telling no, people that it won't sound bizarre that no. I was someone else, and like I have a period of. Um, this time it's I, called disassociation, hmm. isn't it, Dave? I think. Yeah, I think yeah, that's. Yeah. And yeah. I had a period like I was awake for seventy hours and just drinking and walking around, and and it was ironic because when I was in Bali the second time, I actually had a broken leg and I'd gotten a fight the night before I left um, and flew out of the country. So I got a black eye, a broken legs, and I'm running around with someone else's name. Yeah. But eventually, you know, yeah. circumstances happened and um, they get me back to Australia and uh, I go into treatment at uh, Melbourne Clinic and since that day, every day, I've taken the medication. Hmm. Gee. And, you know, there's, again, talking about stigmas, there's a real stigma with taking medication because I know I fought for... Oh, God, it'd have to be three years. Um, I wasn't going to take medication. And, you know, taking it has probably been one of my saviours 
uh, it's about trusting the people that know and understand, like, say, the people at the Melbourne Clinic or the Trauma Centre at the Austin. Um, the stigma, it, that's what stopped me from taking medication because I thought only, pardon me, this is a terrible thing to say, but only nutters take medication. Um, and I didn't think I was that bad, but I was. I mean, I didn't get admitted to hospital, but I, apparently I was very, very close. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, so, I was the same. Like, mm, I thought, ah, oh, look, I was that guy, you know, went 10 years into the job, uh, you know, you thought you were bulletproof, you could go and do stuff and uh, what, you didn't understand why someone was reacting the way that they were over something. And then yep. later on, yep. you, you stand there with the prospect that you're that person, you know, and uh, then getting onto the medication wasn't easy, but I've got no doubt I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the medication and the treatment that I received. Wow. So I was just going to say, so what is it that made you realise that you were a worthy person and you did really need to stick around in this world, but um, a lot of that, apart from, you know, the love and support of your family and some professionals, a lot of it would have been due to medication. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, well, I was the, my lowest point was I had gained, taken off, and this is in between the two hospitalisations, I'd gone over to Bali and I'd already made my plan and um, I sat on the, the, the beach that morning and I was speaking to one of the Balinese barmen that I'd known and, and yeah, we were talking and, yeah, and he was talking about it, telling, we were talking about his, I think he picked up that I wasn't the normal me because he'd seen me there many times and, and we were chatting on the, the beach and I had a pocket full of sleeping pills and, uh, yeah, and it was just his philosophy on life and then talking about his young kids and and then I sort of realised the love I had for my kids um, mm. that was going to be gone. It was, yeah, like things happened after that, but eventually I, I took the right road and um, mm. I've kept pushing on. You know, I've always remembered I interviewed Tim Peck. You know, do you remember Pecky? I know of him. I don't know him personally. Yeah, yeah. I interviewed him and uh, a while ago now and he said the same thing, that at his lowest uh, he'd organised, you know, how he was going to do it and um, end his life because he just couldn't stand the stress and the pain and trauma or whatever. And uh, he... Uh, Somehow he was saved. I think it was by Ron Idles. Ron found out where he was and went and got him. And anyway, he goes into hospital and he said he always remembers the people in the hospital saying, look, you wanted to, you know, you didn't want to be a, a burden with your kids or your wife or whatever. But this professional said to him, but did you ever ask if your wife thought or your kids thought that they would be better off without you? And that question really resonated with him because, um, I mean, I, I'll say here and now, I've never ever gone to that depth, Dave, and I don't want to. It's, it, it's so frightening. But I do know that sometimes you think, you know, what's the point um, and that you are a burden on people. But thank goodness you um, you spoke to that Balinese man. I hope he knows that um, because of him. Um, Jerry, yeah, but I've, he gets a mention in the book again. So, oh, does he? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. 
Thank you, Jerry. Yeah, thank you very much, Jerry. And, and Bayou. Bayou's another friend from Bali that um, yeah. I speak yeah. of in the book because yeah. he's significant in my, oh. my life now. And, yeah. yeah. Dave, when did you start writing the book and why? Uh, well, initially it started when I was in uh, the treatment at the Trauma Vic because we had to do a – one of the uh, treatment things was write a timeline of um, incidents that you had been involved in. So, you know, I wrote down that and then I did that and then each time that I either got hospitalised or was coming out of the thing, I'd start writing out more stuff and eventually I had all this these writings and chapters and um, it, was, it was for me and then I think, to be honest, that I thought oh, that was something I could give the, the family to so they would understand and then I asked someone to have a read of it for me and um, – if they thought it was something that I could sh- should share with others and they were supportive of that. So that's why it's now in a book. And again, like I said right from the start of our conversation, is that a lot of my experience from um, people with the police with PTSD is it's at the end of their careers and, it, and it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be. But some I understand fully that they can't go back, but I was so determined that I wanted to keep going on my policing journey. And um, I think that was my goal for my treatment. And it's um, certainly my goal to keep taking the medication because it allowed me to function um, at a, mm-hmm. an acceptable mm-hmm. level. Hmm. D- Dave, um, you said before that you were okay and about four years later you had a you had another uh, episode, let's say. Um, why? What happened for you to have that second episode? Was that after you'd been to Trauma Vic or? Yes, it was after Trauma Vic and okay. after um, the, the Bali. Oh, and after the, right. Yeah, so I got to a point okay. where I thought I, I'm, I'm better, I'm over this. I'm over this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I started um, reducing my medication on my own without the cons- consultation of my doctors and didn't even tell him. And oh. I got to the point oh. where I um, had stopped taking the medication. And Gee. at this point, there's um, a couple of uh, – well, I had to go to th- three funerals in the, the one week. And then from there it was um, – yeah, it wasn't long after I stopped taking the medication that um, I went completely batshit crazy, as, as I say. Yeah. Um, so there's a message there, isn't there? It certainly is. Take your pills. Yeah. yeah, and trust the professionals. And I also say a lot about trusting your instincts, that if you don't think you're travelling too well, you're probably not and not to kid yourself and get to the point where, let's say, you got to, or even worse, God love Digger, um, you know, to where Digger went, you got to, you got to, you can't do it on your own. And, and and you tried to do it on your own and you fell down again because you thought you were okay, you know, you just, you got to listen, don't you? Yeah, and that's okay. And it's, uh, I, I'm critical of someone referring to, um, uh, my PTSD as being a, an illness, 
and oh, okay. And I'm actually, tell, tell me about well, that. It's not an, yeah. it's not actually an illness. It's a, a, an injury that results out of um, traumatic incidents oh, as yes. exposure. So I get yes. a little bit peeved when someone refers to it as an illness because it's actually. Oh, you've probably been a bit peeved with me. Then no, I'm, no, I might start. No, actually, that's a very good point, Dave. Because. because it is an injury. Yeah. That's right. That's the injury like you can put the Band-Aid over. So you can't see it, but I have that injury and you have that injury and many others have that injury and we, we need to um, acknowledge that first yourself that you have an injury and then um, like when you have a broken bone, you go about things to try and get it fixed so you can use it again. And for me it was um, – the psychiatrist, psychologist, and medication. Mm. Well, that's a very powerful thing to um, finish up on. Uh, where can people find your book, Dave, and when? Um, well, it's it's on Amazon, but the the best place to get it's through uh, Shopify. So I've I've sent I'll send you a link to if I don't know where you can share it, but the site is. Um, Uva, so it's double O V E R um, dash three eight seven seven dot Shopify dot com. So I hope people read it um, for what it is. Um, it is a bit self indulgent, but it is a memoir. So I've had people ask me, yeah, "Oh, have you written about me?" It's, uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> but there are articles about other people. Yeah, but it, it's it's not about, as you say, but that's not self, self-indulgent. How I see that is that you are uh, exposing um, what a mental injury, please note I said injury. Thank you. Uh, what a, a mental injury can do uh, to people who ignore the signs or don't do anything about the signs. And I don't think anybody that, would re- and I haven't read the book yet. I will because you're sending it to me. But I don't think anybody that uh, would read that book couldn't think. Hmm, maybe I, oh, I don't know. Uh, there's something that might be bothering that that they think oh, it's probably bothering me a little bit more than it should. You know, it it makes people think. But it's not about as you say. It's not about other people. Mm. And can I just to say to Narelle that like. I only considered myself as a, an average policeman who had average exposures. But there's pe- police out there that have had far worse experiences and they, for whatever reason, they cope okay. And there's people who have probably had a lot less and they don't cope okay. But that's, that shouldn't be the cause of the injury. I mean, yeah, the cause of the source of the injury shouldn't be treated any different. You know, like for the to the people that once you've got this this um, this particular injury, you know, you've you've got to seek treatment for it, and you've got to understand in y- yourself first of all to help yourself, because unfortunately, you don't get better from dead. Yeah, that's so true. And you know, just one other thing you're just saying there. When I speak at places about my uh, mental injury. Uh, I talk, I put up a slide about my recovery and the very first point that I make on my recovery is about accepting the diagnosis because until you accept that there is something wrong or something isn't right, you'll never get better. 
So, and it took, I don't know about you, but it took me, I reckon, 18 months to really accept that I had a mental injury and that I wasn't okay. And then things started to happen because I wanted to get better. But I was putting my head in the sand for a long time, like um, obviously you were. But yeah, acceptance is very, very important. Yeah, and it's not something you you want to happen. Like I'm sure you you would rather not have it like I wouldn't want to have it. But I've now got to um, do my best to make sure that I, I cope and I can be around for the people that care the most for me. Mm. And thank goodness you are. Mm. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I suppose in closing, I just want to, you know, maybe on behalf of everyone listening into the wider community, um, thank you for the sacrifices that you made in your 37 years because they're big sacrifices. Um, You helped the community to feel safe and feel protected and it has come at a huge cost. But there's many people around or have been able to overcome adversity because of you and what you've done to help them. Um, And let's never forget your family and friends who've also supported and loved you. It's great to hear that you're healing, uh, that you're sharing the goodness and happiness that life's bringing you with those who have never left your side. (laughs) Um, All I can say is good luck with everything, Dave, and um, uh, to you too, Digger. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Thanks very much, Nora. Thank you. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. (laughs) Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.